With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For confidence in your financial plan, look for a CFP professional. When your financial advisor earns the CFP certification, it means he or she is trained to provide ethical financial planning across a holistic range of topics, from retirement and investing to taxes and estate planning, all in your best interest. So with a CFP professional, you'll feel confident in your financial plan today and tomorrow. Three letters do make a difference. Visit letsmakeaplan.org to find your CFP professional. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Okay, uh, Guillaume, you're here in Dublin promoting your messy biography, which is yet another great read. What's it like being so close to such a universally recognisable man, getting to know the player of a generation on such a personal level? It is an experience because you're entering the life of a guy, not the life of the best player in the world. There's a difference. And uh, when when that happens, you have to be very careful what you how far you go and if you're actually taking the right road and if... Um, if you are directed the right way, because at the end, you're not him, uh, you know his brother, but you're somebody that is analysing um, what made him and how he got where he got. Sure. So there's a lot of questions that you have to answer via research and via working hard and via really, you know, 20 years of work. Uh, that work allows you to get close to people. Uh, that allows, you know, by word of mouth, your, your name to be recognised and that allows at a point when you go to what it is a really small clique, the messes, to knock the door and says, can I come in? And, and when the answer is two weeks later, all right, let's do it, uh, then, 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 of course, you've gone through the most difficult of all obstacles okay. because there was no way I could write this. Same as with the pep book, mm. same as with A Season on the Brink. I would have written it if it was just from the distance or with clips from newspapers. I, I had to be inside... And it is a delicate balance that you do between, you know, because I will tell you a story, but uh, not so much the anecdotes, but how he reacts to things, uh, you know, how how um, he deals with having a father who's a manager, how he deals with uh, Ronaldo and that kind of thing. And uh, and you still have to check, double check and, and, you know, get close to other people around him mm. to make sure if that's true. <laughs> yeah. So... So there is a lot of um, a lot of that, and you are answering as close as you can the questions. And did did you feel in any way? I suppose he's such a well-known man. He's such a talented guy. And even though you're a leader in your profession, did you feel was there an intimidation kind of level there along the lines of what I'd feel today speaking to you? For example? <laughs> Do you know? No, because this is your first interview. That's why probably when you've when you've done a hundred interviews, you realise that the people that you're asking questions to, they just 
normal guys. Sure. And they could be Ronaldo, they could be Messi, they could be Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho. You, you would have, you know, after 20 years of working, or 22 years of working in the profession, you would have had private moments with them. You would have gone for meals with them. You would have known that they all have the same fears and the same uh, needs as anybody else. Mm. Um, and in some cases, even more, because their life is more extreme. But no, no, I couldn't approach these people without with intimidation or with with fear or with distance I, I just had to see them as what they are mm. and it helps for instance that I'm not a Barcelona fan sure because okay, yeah. uh, you know you deal with Pep Guardiola and, and, and he was God at the time we were talking and you deal with Messi and you know it doesn't get any bigger mm. but I'm an Espanol fan and, and I see what they've done and I see the good thing that they've done but I also see that I don't you know I don't look at things with a I don't know, uh, with the eyes of a fan, basically. Yeah, yeah. so you had that distance, and I suppose they respected that, maybe, perhaps, that, that, that you weren't fawning or being overly... I think what they, they respect is uh, um, what, what, whatever I've done all, my, all sure, these years. Course, so, yeah. uh, and I think you realise in your next interviews, in the future, when, when you've done more than 100, that it is about communicating and it's about linking with the person you're talking to and it's about listening mm. and it's about realizing that you are only a microphone that's all you are <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, then a microphone if you look enough it becomes a pen yeah. where you write your own opinions or you write your own story or, 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 or you write this story of these big guys and if you are very 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 lucky and very 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 good then you are paid for your opinions uh, there's perhaps too many people that think that journalism is opinions that's just the the top of the of the profession. Yeah. The rest is just uh, holding a recorder and, and listening and interpreting and writing. Sure, absolutely. Well, y you've written a lot on, on not just Messi, but also Guardiola. Is there something that connects the two men in terms of some sort of, uh, some sort of characteristic or trait which separates them out. Clearly, they're both talented men, but there are a lot of talented men. I mean, it, was there something you noticed about the two of them? Some sort of drive or difference? It's a good, it's a good question because you you see that in Rafa Benitez, in Jose Mourinho, in Cristiano Ronaldo, in Messi, in Pep Guardiola, and I think it's a compulsion to mm. continue uh, improving. Mm. Maybe even the feeling that they're not good enough. Uh, it coincides uh, in all the cases that they have to work really hard because because they've got. Not so much the doubts, although in the case of Guardiola, doubts were like again extreme because he's an extreme man in many senses. But just the, the need to um, uh, to continue doing better, and it gets to a point. It really does get to a point to most of us to that that you think you've done enough, and then and then that's it. You're just comfortable in your position. You earn enough money, you're fine. But these guys don't count the money they've earned. They just look. They just judge themselves by what they did yesterday. And if it was it wasn't good enough, then they, they had to improve. They have to get it better next time. And that only the really best ones have. Uh, mm. I mean, both Messi and, and Pep Guardiola have it for sure. They have it in, in abundance. Obviously, it was actually it reminds me of something I was trying to speak about today in a piece I was writing. Brendan Rodgers was speaking about the drive or lack of it that a lot of young professionals have when it comes to they sign their first big contract and maybe the motivation goes a little bit um, is it is, is, is that what the, those two guys that we speak about is that what they have in extreme that drive to keep going on like you say you're only as good as your last day no doubt uh, and 
you know, a lot of people have complained about that, that society has made people weaker and society has made people wanting to get to the top uh, faster. Mm. Uh, and, of course, there's no shortcuts to, to the top. Uh, that Football is a mirror society. You have that in football as well. A lot of people that don't get motivated enough unless they get very well paid. Mm. And a lot of complaints have come from the likes of Sir Alex Ferguson, Brendan, and, and people like that saying young kids are like that. I, I, I wouldn't care about those young kids. That means that they won't make it. Yeah. There's enough people out there to make it. Yeah. There's enough people out there that uh, that will just go through all the stages, beat all the obstacles, and make it to the top. And they will be as good in terms of mentality as they have been for 100 years. Mm. It's just people that want to make it. And you only need 25 at the end, you know. So yeah. I think uh, I, I understand the complaint, I, and perhaps... What is happening is that it is a smaller pool of people yeah. that uh, have got that hangout, that need to survive for whatever it is that took people in the past 60, 40, 50 years ago to the top. But uh, but in any case, there's enough people out there that really, really want to, 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 to be footballers. So Brendan Rodgers will have where to choose from. Sure. Something that struck me, I, I, it, was, it was in your, your, your um, Pep Guardiola book, a little story about Messi. Um, that, that really stuck with me and I, I've heard you actually recount it a couple of times as well and it was the whole thing about the where will he play and it, it was quite shocking for me because we have this opinion of Messi I don't know whether it's received the wisdom or whatever of this quiet humble kid um, but he was basically pretty put out wasn't he when he wasn't getting to play centrally which is where you know he's wonderful and where there was this thing with Ibra and he was getting shunted to the wing he put his foot down, really, didn't he? Well, uh, that was analysed from a coaching point of view in yeah. the Pep Guardiola book. In the Messi book, I've analysed it from his point of view. Mm. And I think if you reach a compromise from those two angles, uh, what you see is a guy who's played the same way since he was a kid, exactly the same way. And he hasn't changed, even though he's been told every single year, pass the ball, yeah. or play wide, stay wide, wait for the ball. And he wouldn't do that. He would just go for the ball and then when he had it he would just dribble to a three and, and, and you know cut inside and stuff like that that kind of um, confidence in what he does that insistence in doing what he does mm. means that uh, everybody that's on the way had to move either literally like geographically to one side or from the team yeah. and that happened to him since he was a kid everybody that was on the way had to leave because they weren't as good as good as he was. Mm. Because the coaches felt that the other guys were not giving enough to the team. And actually, the other guys were the ones unbalancing the team. Because yeah. if you are the coach of Messi, don't you want to give him what he wants? You do, don't you? Of course. As a coach. Yeah. Yeah. So, obviously, that gets interpreted completely different by the people that had to move. Yeah. Uh, young kids still remember... Um, of the age of Messi now, of course, but when they were kids, that they, you know, what, there was this guy that was very f physical and realized that when Messi came in, he was going to be in the center, so you just have to go to another team. And you got that in every, every stage. Ibrahimovic uh, obviously was on the way for those runs of Messi. And Pep Guardiola said to Ibra, Would you move? And Ibra said, No. Yeah. You know, put, put it, put it in, in, in big words, that's, that's what happened. Uh, and and then the coach has to make a decision because this guy Messi is still going to be doing what he does. Yeah. Now in hindsight, we say great decision because we allow Barcelona to get even better than they were in the first year and the and the, or the first two years under Pep. But it means that there is victims, and of course you hear the story of the victim, and the victim will say, you know, this guy just got me out of the way. Yeah. 
It, it is is one of the things that I found again fascinating in, in looking at it from the Messi point of view. Oh, but it's normal that coaches do that for me because I win the games for them. Yeah. So yeah. it is. It is. Um, uh, what it takes you to the top as well the confidence that what you're doing is exactly what has to be done and what's the difference between a, a, a guy like that who has this just certainty about what he can bring to the team and where he needs to play and that's just all there is to it and on the other hand we, we saw Cristiano Ronaldo opening uh, a museum in tribute to himself there recently you can't imagine uh, Messi doing something similar but yet there's clearly that level of ego. Did you encounter that in a negative way in any way when you spoke with, with the man? I think in the next few months, don't know exactly, maybe six months, maybe less, there's a museum opening in Rosario. Okay. Uh, where it's not going to be called the Leo Messi Museum, but it's going um, it's going to show things from people that have been in Rosario. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, athletes and footballers that have come from Rosario. And uh, and Leo has helped. Mm. Um, I guess partly because Rosario did not show the, their love for for Leo until very very recently. And of course, Matias, who collects his brother, who collects everything, probably ran out of space where he was. So he was like, "Where do we go and put this in?" It was interesting how you analyze it. Uh, Ronaldo, ego, museum, and this thing like, yeah, but Messi, if he does it, is you probably justify what him doing it. Yeah, and it's all about cliches and how we portray football in a kind of uh, simple way because that's why we what we want. You know, yeah. I've, I, I've got in my head that that as a, as football fans, uh, we stop growing at twelve, so that's why. You know, we get so upset when we lose and so happy when we win. <laughs> That's really fascinating. And, um, <laughs> and, and generally, our analysis of football, when we are fans, kids' analysis, isn't it? So, this so, guy is terrible. Yeah. This Emo- guy has to go. Emotionally you know? immature. Um, emotionally immature. Yeah. And uh, I kind of, the first time I heard that was from Dustin Hoffman saying that uh, we really start growing when, we're, when we are 16, he said, or something like that. But then we start seeing wrinkles in our face and white hair, and then you have to become like, behave like an older man because you see that you look like an older man. But inside you're still 16. But in football, it's a bit like that. Yeah. And uh, and going back to um, to the question, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo is motivated by similar things to Leo. Sure, they represent different things because when they are on the pitch, they behave differently, quite clearly. But they have so much in common, so yeah. much in common. And interestingly enough, uh, they respect themselves so much when they are in front of each other they, they recognize themselves as nemesis and and you know we all have our nemesis and we, they make us better mm-hmm. but we want to be better than them and if we I feel sometimes we feel we're not uh, we kind of hate them the nemesis but perhaps what it is really is that uh, we hate the fact that we're not good enough so then we try harder and there is a lot of respect for somebody that makes you better has Absolutely, to be yeah. has to be so Cristiano and, and Messi are going through the same stage. And do you feel, do you feel, uh, Guillaume, that uh, the question as to which of them is the superior footballer? And often, for a lot of people, it's almost a redundant question because Messi has so much love um, from such a wide variety of people. But you do hear people um, on the Cristiano side, and clearly they're both immense. Do you think there's a there's a valid case for both men, or would you see it now, having seen so much of Messi? Would you see it on one side of the way? We, we could. We could argue which one is better. For me, for me, Messi is the best player there's ever been, mm-hmm. uh, and that's partly why I, I, I immerse myself into his life and, and, and trying to find out what he got him there. But I take, I go back to the question: 
uh, why do we want just to choose between them two? <laughs> yeah. First, secondly, why is there so much fascination about the Ballon d'Or all of a sudden? Yeah. This is a collective game, and of course, football is a mirror society, as we were saying earlier, and. and and that means that uh, we look at it from individuals now because it's all about individuals everywhere else. You know, it's about about uh, me, 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 me. Mm. So I, 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 I don't like that question. You know, I don't like who is better. Just, yeah, just yeah. enjoy them both. And, and yeah, I understand that that attracts people mm. to football. Mm. The fact that, you know, there's two at the top. There's the Christina Navratilova, Chris Everett of, of, uh, of football at the moment. Um, but there's this fascinating documentary that you all have to watch. Um, it's called Unmatched and it was Christina Naratilova and Chris Everett going on a weekend both of them it's away it's magnificent I saw it ESPN yeah. 30 by 30 so it's fantastic oh, it's it's a, yeah a little clue this is somewhere in the book in the messy book that I wrote I mentioned that mm-hmm. and uh, and you should hear what they're saying it's yeah. like you made me better yeah. yeah no but I hated you no no yeah. it wasn't so much I hated you it's like but I envied you because I had so many feelings inside Chris Everett, the the, the American's girl, uh, girlfriend, you know, uh, who was the, the the call lady, if you like, and she was saying, "Martina, I saw you crying. I saw you throw the, throwing the racket down to the floor, and I wanted to do that, but I was told not to do it since mm. I was a kid by my dad. So I had to keep it all inside. And Navratilova was like, "I envied you because you kept everything inside, and yeah. you know, we always want to be somebody else, but." I, that same one day there would be that conversation between Christiana and Messi and it would be similar it would yeah. be similar but it, is, it comes back to that point you made it, it is quite an emotionally immature thing to want to <laughs> to want to pick the best isn't it as you say just enjoy them both yeah speaking about another uh, uh, person I suppose closer to the hearts of Liverpool um, fans that you would have spent a lot of time with in the company of I was looking back over a season on the brink today uh, when I read it first it was, it was fascinating to me because I had Rafa on such a pedestal and it was lovely to see different aspects of his character coming through in that book but I think it kept coming back to this guy who's basically so driven mm-hmm. so driven and more at home on a, with a tactics board uh, on a training pitch than in front of cameras or dealing with anything else um, is that fair or I mean he's, uh, he's driven and I think he's one of the best guys at his job yeah. and, and he knows that and he gets frustrated when that doesn't get uh, recognised, not by the public, mm. but recognised by the clubs. Um, he doesn't belong to this era, I'm convinced. Uh, if he was English, if he was British, and and was a coach 20 years ago, he would have been 20 years at a club, at Liverpool perhaps, yeah. and would have got it wrong, right, wrong, right, but more right than but wrong, more, yeah. for sure. But... Right, so you know, remember when he at that point when he started? Um, I'll have to read that book again because I'm sure there'll be a little bit of clues of what's happened since then. Because remember that time he started rotating and people were going on like Tinkerman and yeah, all that. Absolutely, yeah. And everybody rotates now. Uh, and when he would just try to uh, create a youth team because he wasn't allowed the, the power in the academy, and because uh, he wanted a youth players to come into the first team, mm. which he eventually have got kind of prepared the way for some of the guys that have come into the first team now and again was seen like he's spending money for nothing um, the, me- the the way he dealt with money the fact that he was he almost was like zero um, money zero uh, uh, pounds net expenditure in his time at Liverpool sure. and that doesn't get recognised he knows all that and sees that people don't realise and it's frustrating 
And of course, he was doing things at Chelsea straight away. You could see it on the pitch. If you're a bit of a coach, if you're a bit of a, of a football, you know, analyst, you see what he was doing. It's like, right, they are in good shape. They are moving well. Uh, there's good, good balance. He was putting all that in. But there was all the shouting and the and the, and the noise. Which didn't allow a lot of people to see what happened, and then they won things, and then everybody saw them. Mm. If he hadn't won things, the job was still the same. Mm. Job was still the same. It was an excellent job, and you can see now that Jose Mourinho is struggling to get much more of the side because there's not much more to the side. And Rafa will always, always maximise the potential of what any team he's got. But there's people that uh, want to make him look like a fool, uh, and it's up to them uh, if they don't see that talent, don't recognise it, don't. Don't uh, give him the credit that he deserves. You know, you cannot please everybody, I guess. Sure. Well, look, I don't want to take much more of your time, Guillermo. If one or two more quick questions, if that's all right, we will go through them really fast. A guy who is probably, possibly, uh, Rafa's best signing, Xabi Alonso, has done spectacularly well where he is currently. The rumours will not go away about a possible return to Liverpool. It, it, yet again, yesterday, it was, it was on the go. What's the likelihood of that? What, irrespective of his suitability, what's the likelihood of him doing that? It's not coming back. It's not coming back. You, you, you'd be pretty sure about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was one he loves Liverpool, and he because he loves Liverpool, he's got a difficult to choose his next team. Sure. So you know he cannot be Manchester United and so on. Uh, I see him as a coach, and I see him if he becomes a coach, he will be a manager of Liverpool at some point. I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that would be a very popular, popular thing. Can I can I finish off with a question that's kind of a topical one? There are a lot of stories going around. I'd just be interested to get your take on it about the EU investigation into Real and Barca with the the, the you know in relation to state aid and um, and then there's the story about the Neymar funds and all that type of thing. Are these kind of stories damaging for La Liga or is it? Are they maybe a little bit baseless? What's your opinion on that? It's based on the fact that uh, for a long time the big clubs. The football clubs in general have depended too much on the council mm. and on government money and on government uh, leeway and blind eyes and stuff like that. But football has always been like that uh, in Spain. So, for instance, any local team uh, will have a ground that's owned by the council or will put the budget. The council will put the budget. I, I tried to buy a club uh, not so long ago and it was all, all had to be done via the council. Uh, if politically it was right for them, if they had the budget to help us. That's how football is done in, in Spain. So, of course, from an outsider point of view, they'll see, like, uh, that's not fair. And I agree with them. Mm. It's not fair that some clubs get helped and others they don't. I mean, Barcelona has received throughout the years a lot of help because it's politically good to be close to them. Espanol, on the other hand, being in the same city, hasn't had the same kind of advantages and eventually has had to leave Barcelona to just be outside at Prat Cornellà to uh, to have a stadium. Uh, how how you um, uh, you know how do you deal with that? Is it'd be good to see you know somebody saying okay, let's have a look, and they're gonna have a look. Is it damaging? I don't care. It has to be done. It has to be done. It has to be done. Guillaume, you're a very very good man. Thanks very much. Appreciate your time immensely. Thank you. Thank you. Sense. Why is it home scent? The prices make sense. Ooh, outdoor is in. Are those plates melamine? Pretty planters, pillows, lanterns. Pretty much everything outdoor. And the savings. Oh, it makes sense to me now. Out save on outdoor. Find a store at homesense.com. 
This podcast is brought to you by Progressive. Are you thinking more about how to tighten up your budget these days? Drivers who save by switching to Progressive save over $700 on average, and customers can qualify for an average of six discounts when they sign up. A little off your rate each month goes a long way. Get a quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Discounts vary and are not available in all states and situations. Sports Social Podcast Network.